Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. You can also check us out on Google, Apple, Spotify, basically wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, you can also check me out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. So it's that time of year where we get to the Oscars, and every year I do an annual discussion on the Oscars as well as my favorite movies of the movie year. We're going to do something a bit different, though, and uh, I'm going to be joined by a guest to talk about the Oscars. Uh, her name is Amanda Spears, and she is a writer. She uh, talks, she's writes about the Oscars and... She also is the originator of a hashtag that has unfortunately uh, come back into play this year with some decisions on the uh, awards broadcast. And please welcome to the podcast, Amanda Spears. Amanda, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So before we get to the main subject, uh, why don't you uh, tell people a little bit about yourself, how you got interested in movies and in particular how you got interested in uh, covering the oscars well i'm uh i, I, mean, I love movies and uh, i love television but i'm a, just generally an awards expert i can find a pattern anywhere so <laughs> i just started noticing them and then i started getting really into them and then started doing this okay all right um, and, uh, so the hashtag that I mentioned is when? present all 23, present all 23 in which, I, uh, because of course, uh, the Academy or rather ABC, I think is probably the more opportune, uh, thing to say is, uh, design not to broadcast all of the awards live. Uh, there, there are eight categories this year that are going to be presented off camera and then, or not live, I should say, but then uh, put throughout the uh, course of the evening on the Oscars. Um, and this is this is this is a subject that I think is, excuse me, it's definitely worth considering and discussing and it's it's frustrating i know for those of us who really watch the oscars but obviously more importantly to the artists whose categories have been kind of relegated to this position um what were what was your well first of all what was your reaction when you uh first heard about this this year not again <laughs> um that that was my my first reaction. My my second reaction is is that they don't have a long term plan. That yeah. that seems to be the biggest problem is, is that they're not sitting there and thinking, okay, we're going to do this for three to five years and see how it goes. With the exclusion of obviously the ninety fifth Academy Awards and the hundredth Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. But I but you know to be fair to the Academy, uh, there's two parts to every award show. There's what you can plan, what's scripted and what's unscripted, which are, are the winners. Yeah. And so at least this year, they are making a change towards something that they can at least plan. Yeah. And not trying to manipulate moments. So <laughs> half a step forward, half, two steps back maybe, but 
it, it is, it just seems like they'll try anything once, but they really don't have a long-term plan. Yeah. They don't know how to utilize social media. Mm-hmm. It, they, that seems to be bigger problems and they need to get their, their act together before the hundredth Academy Awards. Like if they, they want to screw up the 94th, okay, don't mm-hmm. screw up in six years. Like let's bring back Billy Crystal. The Oscars are like, sure, you're supposed to do something supposed to do everything the same way every single time yeah no and i it's 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 you you said when you said not again that's of course alluding to the fact that this is not the first time they had talked about something like this and uh the last time they did there were 24 categories because that was before they uh combined the two sound categories into one that most of the academy still doesn't fully understand and um (laughs) It's it's it is frustrating, and you you were talking about the manipulating of the uh, the awards of the ceremony, and you know obviously last year we kind of saw what happened with them um, presenting best actor last in the hopes of maybe having that moment for to honor Chadwick Boseman, and of course it went to Anthony Hopkins for the father, and uh, I so do we think that it is productive? predominantly the academy that is running that is controlling this or is it abc trying to hold on to viewers uh, probably a little bit of both to be honest i i think the academy cares about viewers as much as abc but i think neither wants to realize that network television isn't what it used to be yeah yeah and i mean and and <laughs> they seem willing to sacrifice the fans they have in order to try and find new ones. And I don't, I don't think they understand that those people might just never watch. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. And it's, you know, it, it, you, you talked about the network TV thing. It's absolutely true. And uh, I mean, it, the, the thing is, it's like they would, they would find out they would have so many more, eyes on it if they went strictly if they went to a hybrid of network TV and screening I mean obviously in streaming and obviously I can imagine why ABC would be hesitant to that but at the same time it's like the the Academy would completely you you would see record amount of people watching the Oscars I think if that were the case and you you just don't but yeah you're right they're basically chasing an audience that is just not there because fewer and fewer, it, it does feel like fewer and fewer people in the mainstream are who aren't like hardcore movie fans care less and less about the Academy Awards. I mean, that's not strictly true because obviously people still do, but I don't think it's just because of the nom. I don't think it's because of the fact that the nominees are not are too specialized towards what they've movie. lost is the audience. It's like, well, there's nothing else on. Yeah. It's either something, there's not four networks anymore, where maybe you don't like three of the programs, the three other shows. So it's like, well, might as well tune into the Oscars for an hour or two. Yeah. They're, they've lost that because people are going to go on Netflix. People are going to, you know, there's, there's 200 channels. They've mm. lost that audience. So no matter who they nominate, they've lost those pacifist viewers. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now that's 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 absolutely true. I mean, even even I don't watch to a certain extent. I mean, part of that is because of the fact that my wife and I uh, cut cable a few years ago. I mean, I've, I I watched a little bit last year, but I was also in the middle of a film festival at the time too, so I was balancing the two. But that w- was only because of the fact that they pushed it back to such an ungodly uh, period of time because of the pandemic. Um, not that this year is much better. Well, that's better. not really <laughs> their fault. I, yeah. I mean, they're, we're all still in this like <laughs> two to three. It's probably going to take a couple more years to to see Hollywood and any award show kind of straighten out um, post-pandemic. Because yeah. even the Emmys have had troubles with that. That's why we've seen two series, you know, just to give you an example, back-to-back sweep mm. the top seven awards at the Emmys for, for Schitt's Creek for comedy. And then last year, the crown for drama because, well, a few things. One, the competition isn't as stiff as it usually is. Two, they're streaming series. So, you know, everyone's had all the time in the world to watch them. And three, there's just not as much competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's absolutely true. I get why it got extended last year uh, because of the fact that we didn't see nearly as many bigger movies in 2020 as we normally would have for obvious reasons because of movie theater closures. But at the same time, I know for me, it was just so exhausting as the process went on and on and on. It seemed like the same stories would become stories among film fans and people uh, following the award season like every couple weeks and then we would have to litigate something else and something else. And I, I think it was, I mean, again, I understand why they did it last year. That was completely made sense. It's, it was just at completely, uh, it, was, it was exhausting as, as a movie fan. Well, everything was exhausting last year. <laughs> it's, it's not just the Oscars. I mean, that, that's not fair to them. Yeah. At, when you just have an exhausting period of time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we had people a month, two months earlier storm the Capitol. Like, there's a lot. There was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's. that's and when you have half a million, I, I think you had at the time almost half a mil, half a billion people dead. Yeah, it's it's hard to care about something. Mm-hmm. And the Oscars didn't address it in a way that would have made sense. Yeah, they could have had like first responders say, "This is my hometown studio." I like this movie from this year, or I saw the last movie I saw it was here. Here's so and so to present best supporting. Act. They they could have found a way to make everyone feel like we're all in this together, and I can't wait to get back to going to the movies. But they didn't. They lost that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a very good point as well. Because yeah, so many of the other award shows, at least the bigger ones did do that or found a way to do that i think and uh not to mention an in memoriam segment that really what the hell were they thinking with the music choice but more <laughs> importantly they could have they could have dedicated the entire ceremony to the all the people who all the movie fans across the world who've died to covid mm-hmm. like they could have done something and they didn't do anything and that's before they got to the Chadwick Boseman, they'd already lost. Yeah. No, that, that, is, that is absolutely true. 
So um, we're going to pivot to this year, though. And uh, what? Yay! And so with this year's award ceremony, um, we we've already talked about the present all twenty three uh, controversy and the fact that they're 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 struggling with that. Let's go to the nominees and what what are what is it? What do you think of the uh, list of nominees? For the most part, I'm actually of the ones that I've seen. I'm I for the most part I feel fine with them, and I think it's a pretty decent collection actually. Even though there are some that I would definitely disagree with and wouldn't necessarily put on my ballad, but uh, what what are your thoughts on some of these nominees? I think they did a pretty decent job. Uh, like I said, the industry's not completely back, mm-hmm. so it is. We're still not in one of the most competitive years we've ever seen. But it, again, it, it's going to take three to five years to get back. So we're in year two. Yeah. It's getting a little better. We're mm-hmm. seeing this kind of trickle down where it's getting better. So I'm happy with the group for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's always going to be one or two I would switch out. But for the, mo- for, for the most part, I think you can't really say Hollywood's not putting out quality when they're doing the best they can under the, six, under yeah. the circumstances. Yeah, that is, that, is, that is very true. Are there any films that didn't get nominated that you were kind of disappointed to see get shut out of the Oscars this year? Um, not really. I, I would have liked to have seen um, Peter Dinklage get in. I mean, you know, that's nitpicking. Mm-hmm. I knew that was going to be tough. Um. You know, I, I was surprised Marley, Marley Matlin was my beginning of the season. No way she's not getting nominated pick. But I, I think that's more her just pushing for Troy Coates are so hard. Yeah. But but really, no, I, I think they did a, an overall decent job given what, given what they had. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there's one blatantly big snub out. Well, maybe Katrina Balthup. Belfast did so well, you know, it's it's hard to Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to nitpick them all to death. But mm-hmm. oh yeah, I mean there's there's always at least there's always like one or two things that you can kind of question a little bit of every nominee. Like like you said about Peter Dinklage, he he for sure will have been in my top five. I mean, he was when I vote in the Georgia Film Critics Association. But um you know, it, it you knew once they, especially once they pushed the release date back, and once you kind of got the impression that MGM was pushing more Gucci and uh, licorice pizza hard, that you you kind of got the sense that Serrano was going to be left out in the cold, and that's a shame because it's such a good movie, and I absolutely adore Dinklage. Yeah, that and that's that's kind of the same thing with the Lost Daughter and passing on Netflix. Obviously, they. They decided not to just throw everything out there and, and see what sticks. They really went in, went all in on the power of the dog, and and the same thing for the tragedy of Macbeth. You know, Apple realized that Coda was their film, and they just went all all in for that. And mm-hmm. you can't blame these streamers for being a little bit more strategic than they normally are. Yeah, yeah. I I applaud restraint, even if I don't love the outcome. Hmm. Okay, so let's go through let's go through some of these categories and just talk a little bit about and sort of get your impression on like what 
not only what do you think will win, but also maybe what you will, what your vote would be for. Let's start with uh, cinematography. Nominees are Dune, <gasps> Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. Well, this is an interesting race. Um, God, you know, The Power of the Dog needs to pick up more than just director and director if it's going to win picture. Mm -hmm. And that is their biggest problem. And their biggest problem in a lot of these categories, unfortunately, is Dune. Yeah. And Dune seems to be the technical film this year where it's going to win five or six awards. It's just mm -hmm. a matter of which five or six. Yeah. So this is one where I would probably vote for the tragedy of Macbeth. And that's even hard for me to say because I know like as an Oscar expert, ever since they've expanded the best picture race to 10, if you're in the best picture field, you get a leg up in, on your competition in all of these other categories. Yeah. So for example, cinematography, only one time has the cinematography winner not been from a Best Picture nominee, and I bet you're already thinking it is Roger Deakins mm -hmm. for Blade Runner. So what that means for the tragedy of Macbeth is like, as much as it is beautifully done, thank you for playing, yeah. it's not your year. Yeah. So knowing that, um, I think it's Dune, mm -hmm. because it is a little flashier. But the power of the dog really, really needs to pick up something like this or editing yeah. if it's going to win best. If it's going to win best picture, that's one of the reasons why I'm pissed off that film editing isn't in there. It's like, <laughs> I need to see that winner. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I'm. Old. Film editing is not another tech. <laughs> yeah. Film editing is a very important category. Mm hmm. No, and I'm with you on Tragedy Macbeth. That would have been that was that would have been my top choice too. I, you know, I'm so split on Dune. I do think it's gonna be. I I agree. I think it's gonna be between Dune and Power of the Dog. I, you know, part there's a part of me thinks that maybe in some of these categories it could go in the same way as Lord of the Rings, where after Part Two, if that one's is well-received, you could see that get a retroactive nomination for the entire thing. Uh, I don't know if it's the same thing, because they knew that was coming. And yeah. It, yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're going to necessarily think that way. And that's, I mean, there could be another Mad Max movie. Like, yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, that's, that's one of the only reasons that would make me think of that. Um, I, I think... Of those two nominees, I would probably choose Power of the Dog. Uh, not just because of the best picture uh, possibilities, but just because of the fact that I, I think the cinematography, as impressed as I am with Dune, I, I just really think Power of the Dog is such a really beautiful, just hauntingly beautiful piece of work when it comes to... I Disney want Power of the Dog to win this. I want this woman to win. Um, I'm surprised there hasn't been more of a campaign for her. She hasn't received necessarily half the attention Rachel Morrison received a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh God, it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> if the names were on the ballot, she might be in a better position, honestly. Mm -hmm. 
I felt the same way about Rachel Morris. And I'm like, that Roger Deakins is very happy they didn't put the names on the ballots that year. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say Dune yeah. for right now. But I, yeah, I'm not 100% on it. <laughs> so we're going to go to costume design. And this one is, this is a really, these are all, all the, most of the technical categories that are all really strong this year. And this year you get, Cruella, Serrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. Well, there are only a few categories where you really get no advantage going in being a Best Picture nominee. And that one of these categories is costume design. Yeah. Now, costume design and production design are like birds of a feather. They usually... You know, if you're nominated for one and win, your chances of winning the next one actually improve, mm -hmm. which could help something like Dune. Um, you know, Cruella and Disney really, really must believe, ABC must really believe that they're going to win this costume design award or, uh, or they might have scrapped this one. It's hard because Cruella is the flashiest in the category. Yeah. It's the most costumes. It's... It's all about fashion, which we've seen them turn to, but it is the mouse house. Mm -hmm. And we've seen them kind of shun away from these reanimate, reimaginings of live action origin stories. So it, it's a little difficult to see if they'll go all the way for this. As beautifully impressive as these costumes are. This is one where Dune might just go along for the ride. It's a Best Picture nominee. I, I don't think West Side Story is even in the hunt, to be honest with you, because they've been there, done that. They're not going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to say Cruella because I can't predict Dune to win more than like five or six of these. Yeah, I. I my gut tells me Dune, but I I think my personal choice would probably be Cruella out of these. Uh, just because of the fact that it's such an it's such a wonderful display of costume design of actually doing yeah. something to put us into a specific and it's about time the clothes. Of place and, as well as being flashy. And I think that yeah, does and it's about clothes. Design. Yeah. So yeah. Um yeah. even though I would love to see Serrano win at least one Oscar, but I know that's not gonna happen. Uh, yeah, those aren't the most flashy costumes. There's too many. It's no. too dude oriented to almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we will go now to film editing, and uh, you you are oh, right. Boy. This isn't necessarily a technical category, even though a lot of people consider it is because it really does go hand in hand with the directing, and it you're shaping the story from here, and you have don't yeah up Dune King Richard. The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's, I mean, they're all five best picture nominees, but, I mean, honestly, as, as much as I'm a fan of Tick, Tick, Boom, you would never have expected for me, I would have never expected that to get an editing nomination over West Side Story. Tick, Boom is not a best picture nominee. Oh, you're right. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I forget. I don't know why I forgot that. My mistake. Uh, it's 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 just a, it's a common mistake. It happens, you know, this time of year. We, yeah. we see so many categories, <laughs> and it's not like it's not like the um, 
the girl with a dragon tattoo that won this category without being a best picture nominee i believe that's the only only occurrence so it's not flashy enough to win this so thank you for playing yeah uh i think this could go to dune i believe they just won bafta mm-hmm. so that that gives me reason to believe that it's surprising how few awards the power of the dog won at the bafta yeah yeah, and I, I think so much of that with Power of the Dog is, uh, I mean, once uh, once Cody Smith-McPhee kind of started losing steam with supporting actor, it's like there's not really a whole lot of big frontrunner categories for it. And I, I think that's part and of it. And that's the so problem, is that it, it's nominated a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But like La La Land, I'm not saying it's like La La Land, where is it number five in a lot of these categories or is it like number two? Yeah. That's, that's always the question I ask when, when it gets in, was it the, one of the top vote getters or was this like number four or barely number five? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I think Dune will probably win this one as well. For me, this one is, this one is probably a little bit, easier to go for dune over power of the dog i kind of feel like power of the dog could very well win cinematography over dune but i do think for editing because of the fact that it's a giant big blockbuster epic i can see kind of dune taking the advantage from for that one yeah yeah and the ace is not a very helpful predictor so So we go to uh, makeup and hairstyling, and we get Coming to America, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. Yeah, it's got to be The Eyes of Tammy Faye. If, if Jessica Chastain's going to win, she needs, her, she needs her makeup artist to win also. Yeah. So, uh, and I think, she'll, I think it is The Eyes of Tammy Faye. We've seen not so much this, like, everybody in the cast is covered in makeup, but this, like, singular person is really done up with mm-hmm. like the iron lady and um oh what's another the french dispatch had really specific makeup making tilda swinton look really old so i, I do think in this one it is the eyes of of tammy Faye. yeah no i i would you know again i think it, it boils down to that or dune but yeah i, I think it especially if Jessica Chastain is the front runner, which I, you know, it's safe to say she is at this point. Um, yeah, I, I, it, it's hard to go and say what you will about a lot. There's a lot that I can say about the eyes of Tammy Faye as a film, but the makeup is about as unimpeachable as Chastain's performance in it. I think it's, it's such an impressive job of the way that they, got her to look like Tammy Faye. <laughs> yeah. So we're going yeah. to then move on to production design, where we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. I feel like... Um, I, I, yeah, I, w- I would say Dune. Again, yeah. it's, it's nominated for both uh, with West Side Story. Of course, <clears throat> West Side Story already won, so been there, done that. I I like power. I like Nightmare Alley, but I think I think the momentum's with Dune. Yeah, 
I would I would definitely agree with that. I I think Dune is uh yeah, I mean, I I think I I think Dune is such it's such an impressive uh piece of design work and the way they built the world in that film, it's it's just incredibly impressive. And I mean, I I love I love all of these nominees actually. I think they're all terrific nominees, but yeah, I I think Dune b- just based on well, I mean, I can't really say that because Power of the Dog is also nominated. I was going to say just based on how many nominations the film overall got, but I, I think I think Dune is probably a pretty clear winner in this one. It'd be a, it would be yeah. like a Lincoln-sized... I mean, was Lincoln kind of an upset when that one production design? I thought um, it was. Not really. I would have to look at the year. That's a tough year, but... Um... No, I think Dune like Mad Max because it's creating a world. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely. It's gonna get some help along the way. Mm-hmm. So now we come to best sound, and we have Belfast, Dune, No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. And that just that lineup is really a one of these things is not like the other. And I, yeah. I mean, Belfast, I mean, it's, it's a fine film, and I kind of, thinking back on the movie, I kind of understand where they're coming from, but it just doesn't really make sense to me with the rest of these nominees. Well, you got Jamie Dornan singing, you've got that huge riot scene. Yeah. Okay, sure. There <laughs> is something about something very, I mean, I think the, oh, I'm trying to think who won last year. God, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Was it when that? Ah, let me pick it. Let me pull it up here. Riz Ahmed's new film. Found a God. I I my brain is just. Don't you hate when that happens? Sound of Metal is what won. Yeah, Sound of Metal. Uh, It's 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 a very technical interpretation it's not the the loudest yeah. now the, the rest of this category is extremely loud i think if we saw sound mixing and sound editing west side story might have a decent chance of picking up mixing yeah but since it's only one category and again the whole academy votes they tend to go with the most obvious and the loudest film and the loudest film in this category is dune but because i like to give everyone hope you know a James Bond film did tie for a few years for Skyfall in one of these mm-hmm. categories. So yeah, you never know. Yeah, maybe put No Time to Die number two and Dune one because if there's a tie, then you get both of them right. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see it being between those two. I I think if West Side Story had more momentum for Best Picture, you could kind of see it. But yeah, I mean, I I think it really does boil down to uh, Dune. And they're done that, that already. Yeah. They've already won sound. Yeah. I, I think it boils down to Dune in this category. Uh, so we come to visual effects with the nominees of Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi, and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. I I think this is very obviously going to be Dune. Um, I just can't imagine it being any of the other ones, honestly. It won't. Yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's not always a best picture nominee in this category, but but with one exception, and that that was a, a crazy year with the Revenant and Mad Max. Yeah, uh, and you know, Star Wars in the mix. There was a lot of vote splitting that led to that. 
Mm-hmm. It, you just want to go with the best picture nominee. Don't don't think you're going to predict the upset. <laughs> Marvel's not going to win this this time. Yeah. Although I'm sure this one of those is nominees is on his like 12th or 14th nomination at this point so <laughs> it's yeah. hard to feel sorry for when he does all of the visual effects for every marvel movie and is nominated every year but mm-hmm. still i'm sure he's like i'd like an oscar yeah <laughs> maybe i'll do one of those serious films one of these times yeah exactly uh so we we come now to the music categories which are near and dear to my heart as a uh composer and as a musician and as a lover of film music. It's disappointing that the original score uh, category is relegated to one of those eight that are going to be uh, presented outside of the uh, live broadcast. But it's actually going to be... It's I I have so many mixed feelings on this one because the nominees are Don't Look Up, Dune, Encanto, Parallel Mothers, and The Power of the Dog. All five composers, I think, are very non, very deserving. I'm not a huge fan of "Don't Look Up" score, but you know, it's it it it's is. It's nice what to is. see a comedy in there, and it's Nicholas Brittle, who is a terrific filmmaker. So, um, I you know, I I have so many mixed feelings because Hans Zimmer is my favorite film composer of all time, but I don't necessarily think Dune is the film that should be weighing him in his second Oscar. I I would easily go with Power of the Dog on this one with uh, Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, I'm going with Dune. I, I, it just won BAFTA. Yeah. I, I have no reason not to believe that it's, it's not going to translate. And that's the problem the Power of the Dog is having, is that it's not winning any tech category. It's not picking up one random tech category here or or something there. And I, I mean, at this point, I think you, we each have Dune winning six. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a lot of Oscars. Like, mm-hmm. it's really, that's a lot of Oscars. Yeah. And it, it's, and the thing is, it's so, it feels like it's very rare nowadays that Best Picture winners win that many. They usually, like, especially over the past 10 years, it feels like as they've been spraying it out a little bit more, you've seen. Nightmare Alley did pretty well. Yeah. Um, Birdman, Birdman had about four. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a lower total, but I, you know, I think the right film does pick up some, but it's just, they, they tend to do this every year where we see, you know, gravity, life of pie, um, gosh, Mad Max, where it's like, okay, boys, this is the big technical film. Chuck, 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 chuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I do, th- I agree. I do think it's going to be Dune and Hans Zimmer's finally going to get his second Oscar. Um, I, I do love that they put Parallel Mothers in because I, I, one of the things I noticed when watching that film was I, I forgot how great Alberto Iglesias is when he works with uh, Almodovar. And his his score for Parallel Mothers just did so much for that movie. So I was really glad to see it get nominated. Yeah, and it has absolutely very little chance of winning. But you oh, know, yeah. I, yeah. I won't <laughs> stomp on your dreams. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just happy. It, it's one of those things where I'm just happy it's nominated. I I know it's not doesn't have a chance to win. 
Uh, so we come to best original song, and it is "Be Ugh. Alive" by from King Richard Dos Rug. Uh, how do you pronounce that one? The Encanto one. I took French. Sorry. Yeah, I I took Spanish, das but it's Urguti. been something like that. Uh, it's Lin Manuel Miranda, and it's probably gonna, it may very well win an Oscar finally. Uh, Down to Joy no. from Belfast. No Time to Die, and Somehow You Do. Now, the thing I want to ask about No Time to Die is, have we ever had a Best Original Song winner that came out, that first got released a year before the movie even came out? <laughs> well, no, and it's not really their fault, because no, they released no. the song in, like, the end of February, thinking the movie's going to come out in, like, April. And yeah. then all holy hell broke loose. Yeah. So this is another time where we should applaud the Academy for, for not banning it. Mm-hmm. But we've, but you know, the year prior to this song even being released, the Academy had fully embraced Billie Eilish by having her on to do the in memoriam. So we've all known for like over two years, what's going to win this category. Yeah. So like, this is one, like don't hem and haw over this one. Usually I would say that because, um, the Lin-Manuel Miranda song is coming from the animated feature winner, this would be a good place to like, you know, make a strategic, bold prediction. This and like visual effects, don't have and haul over it. Yeah. Just, just pick no time to die, pick Doom for visual effects and move on. Like, yeah, it's, it's been written in the stones. I'm sure her Oscar's already engraved. Mm-hmm. No, and it's a it's a terrific song too. I mean, it. I, I will say that's one of the great things about the uh, Daniel Craig run of the Bond movies. They've had actually pretty good uh, original songs for the most part. I mean, even, I'm even a fan of the yeah. one from uh, Spectre that people were like cracking up over how it won the Oscar that year. I'm but, still uh, pissed about that. Uh, <laughs> poor, poor Diane Warren. Yeah, and poor it's going to be poor Diane Warren again this year, it looks like. I know, um, but it's it's different when you know she's going to lose than yeah. when you like last year when she could have won or or when she was expected to win that year, and you're like, cute people. Yeah. So but uh, one day she'll get that trophy. So I would say let's go ahead and go through the documentary features, but I think it's pretty fair to say at this point that Summer of Souls is going to win. Uh, yeah, it's it's just happy to be nominated if you're Ascension, Attica, Flea, and Rang with Fire. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's Quest Loves. <laughs> mm-hmm. We all know it's another one of those we've known for a little while. Basically, since Sundance, I think we pretty much knew yeah. that that was going to be the case. Well, we knew it since the Oscar telecast last year when they lo- allowed it to be promoted during. Oh yes, I forgot about that. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, so we come to animated feature film, and this one I think could be a bit interesting. You've got Encanto. No, Lee. you think Mitchell versus the Machines, or you think Encanto? It's Encanto. It's it's okay. won everything else. There's there's no point. Like at this point, when you've won the Globe, the Critics' Choice, and the BAFTA, you're mm-hmm. done. Yeah. That's that's a shame because it's I, over. I, I, it's got it's got all those extra nominations too for yeah. score and song that just make it look even better. Yeah. Unfortunately, like <laughs> I I don't mean to be like your your dream killer, but I'm like you know, let's not let's uh, not lead people on. 
that that's that's unfortunate because I mean I love Mitchell versus the Machine, I love Flea, um, and then Luca and Rey and the Last Dragon. I I enjoyed both of those movies, but yeah, I I I knew at least Encanto was Encanto was gonna be the top choice of the Disney movies. That that's that's unfortunate. I will be pleasantly surprised though if Mitchell versus Machines wins, but yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of too much momentum for Encanto, and it's Disney. Um, international feature film. I I have to say this is this is a terrific lead. It's the shame. This is probably one of the strongest. <laughs> it it's probably the strongest the category's been in like ages. If it's ever been this strong, you have Drive My well, Car. Well, I, I mean, I, I miss Titan being in there, but you yeah. know, we, we yeah. can't know. France has won so many times. You can't be like, oh, you can't feel too bad for France yeah. not, or, or, you know, Italy not winning. Yeah. You have Drive My Car, you have Flea, you have The Hand of God, you have Lunana, a yak in the classroom, and the, the worst person in the world, um, I, I would imagine this is going to drive my car because of the best picture nominee and the other. Yeah, it's, this is, this is the one thing you have to remember is that whether there's five nominees or up to 10 is that if you are an international film and nominated for best picture, you always win this category. Yeah. Now the one year there's two international films nominated, then all holy hell will break loose, <laughs> but it's, but that hasn't happened yet. So I, right now it, it's it's drive my car, and this is going to be Japan's um, big six win. Yeah, it's it's a shame that Flea managed to get nominated in all three of the categories of animated, documentary, and international film, but is going to go home empty-handed. It's really kind. Of I mean, that's impressive just to do that. That's yeah. that's really impressive. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, the worst person in the world, I'm trying to think, that's Denmark. No, maybe mm-hmm. it's not Denmark. That's, that's Hand of God, I thought. Uh, worst person in the world is Norway. Norway, yeah, it's a shame, because with that screenplay nomination, usually it would be the one you'd think, okay, Norway's finally going to get its first trophy. It's never, it's one of the few European countries that's never won. Yeah. So, but, but yeah, this is Japan's first actual Best Picture nomination. So, but yeah, it's, it's, un- it's unfortunate for, for Norway. Yeah. And Italy will stay at 12 wins. So we come now to the uh, writing categories and we're going to start with adapted screenplay with Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Well, as much as I love The Lost Daughter, um, you have to be nominated for Best Picture since they expanded this category for either screenplay category. So to The Lost Daughter, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is one where I don't mind when they start the ceremonies with screenplay because, you know, everything, a movie starts with a, with a script. Mm-hmm. But, oh, this might be the most important category of the night. Yeah. This might be the most important category of the night because I think Coda might take this. Mm-hmm. And if Coda wins adapted screenplay and actor with the support of the SAG ensemble, it could take Best Picture. Wow. 
that's that's hard to that that is hard to wrap your head around. But yeah, I I think you're 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 probably you're I I think you're right on that. Um, if if Coda does win this, and yeah, you really have to look at best. You really do have to look strongly at best picture. I mean, I think I think it is certainly it's certainly one of the films that I think has um, separated itself in that respect. But. Um, you know, it's I, the BAFTA win that makes me pick it. It's really yeah. the BAFTA because the BAFTAs, I mean, Jane Campion is from New Zealand, so she's a member of the British Commonwealth. Yeah. They really didn't go, let's send her, let's send this film off with a bang. They mm-hmm. really could have gone overboard, and a lot of us would have gone, okay, clearly they're going for the accent. Yeah. It, this is a, but they didn't. They didn't really overwhelmingly love this movie. Love that movie. But they loved Coda. They loved Coda enough that in two instances where they had the chance to vote for Power of the Dog, they went with Coda. And I I, I mean, I'm sorry. I think Coda is the type of movie that makes people feel good. Yeah. And people might just want to feel good this year. And yeah, that could be enough. And if you can hear that slight screaming, that's that's the sound of Netflix losing to (laughs) Apple TV+. Oh man, that would be something. <laughs> we can get. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to best picture. But yeah, it's it's not it's not good. Yeah. Um. So we we come now to original screenplay writing. Uh, Belfast, don't look up. King Richard, licorice pizza, and the worst person in the world. First of all, I think as far as like a writerly category, like this is amazingly interesting um (laughs) you know if if don't look if the worst person in the world was nominated for best picture in such an original screenplay they might have gone that way Mm -hmm. but again thanks for playing and again this one comes down to BAFTA Kenneth Branagh is one of their most beloved actors he you know this isn't his first at bat in directing or writing and Mm -hmm. he hasn't won I would have thought that they would have at least not just given Belfast, you know, best British film. But I thought they would at least given him a screenplay. So when they went for Paul Thomas Anderson, I, I, I was like, okay, well, I've, I've got to go with the BAFTA winner because we're not going to get a lot of help mm-hmm. from the WGA. Like the WGA is the most useless. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, if there's th- two... Some years there's only two or three of the the nominees because of their very specific rules. Yeah. So unfortunately, it, it, I feel bad for Brana because mm-hmm. he had it, he had a huge amount of momentum going into this. Yeah. But it it looks like Paul Thomas Anderson's going to win an Oscar. And I know that's going to make a lot of people on Twitter very happy, and a lot of other people very frustrated. Uh, I mean, he's a very divisive person, but the industry really loves him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, it, it might be his, it's time for him to finally win Oscar. And I mean, I don't yeah. know that I would say that, I certainly wouldn't say Licorice Pizza is his best worth writing, but it's, it's you know, I, I can see where, I, I can kind of see where people would be coming from with it winning. Yeah, I, I, 
surprised with as, as competitive as Belfast has been that it's not taking this award. But yeah. again, and, and it might do it. There might be people out there that go, well, I'm not going to vote for it for this. I'm not going to vote for it for that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll give, I'll give Brana his due. Yeah. But it's, it, I just wish we would have seen it at an organization that should favor him. Mm-hmm. And we didn't see that. Yeah. Unfortunately, we just didn't see that. Mm-hmm. So we come to the acting categories and we have supporting actors. We have Jesse Buckley. We have Ariana DeBose, who is basically going to win this. Uh, Judy Dench for Belfast. Kirsten Dunst for Power of the Dog. And, oh, I, how do you pronounce her name from King Richard? I, I don't... Anjanu Ellis. That's, okay, that's why I thought it was. That's why I thought it was. I just, I was afraid to go with my gut with that. But yeah, and Anjanu Ellis got nominated for King Richard. I mean, at this point, anybody other than Ariana DeBose would be a complete stunner. Uh, and I mean, the only... If if she wasn't the clear front runner in this, I I would possibly I could possibly see Ellis or Dunst winning, but no, it's it's her. I I think it's Debose easily. So yeah, I mean I think Debose has this. It's it's weird how easy it's been for her. I, I really think the people behind the Power of the Dog picked the wrong supporting player to push. I yeah. I always believe they should have pushed Kirsten Dunst and gone with the. Look, she was a former child star. Mm-hmm. See, we don't screw them all up. <laughs> Some of them turn out pretty normal <laughs> and not drug addicts. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm sure Judy Dench feels probably horrible about this nomination. <laughs> like, girls got to know, like, I took my co-star's nomination. I, I was thinking before Oscars were announced, I'm like, you know, if Katrina Baskets had Oscar nomination, if she could just win BAFTA, she might be able to change the game. Yeah. But that wasn't to be. Mm-hmm. So the fact that DeBose is yet to lose is just, it's over. It's, it's done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Best Supporting Actor, Siren Hines, Belfast, Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons for Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee for Power of the Dog. This was looking like a two-person race until just recently, but yeah, I, I, I think it's, it, at this point, it's got to be a Troy Coatser for Coda. Yeah, he's, he's got that feel-good moment. Um, but, you, you know, Cody Smith-Mathy, before he came into this, he was always going to have problems because Timothy Hutton was the youngest winner ever in this category's history at 20. Mm-hmm. If Cody Smith-Mathy wins... He would be the second youngest at 25. Mm. And remember, they don't usually go young in this category. Now they're doing better about, they're doing better. So we can't really blame them for this. But this is typically, if you, you know, before anyone calls me an ageist, if you just scroll through the winners, you know, they like to award, they like to award their character actors. They like to award their, their veterans. And Troy Coatser just just feels right. You know, the fact that he took BAFTA just Mm -hmm. doubled down on that SAG win because, again, Cody McPhee, he really should have been competitive there and he couldn't get it done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately, it's going to be 
it's it's not going to work out for him. Yeah. Again, I, I don't think he can blame Jesse Plemons. I don't really ever see the appeal of Jesse Plemons personally. <laughs> but I love all the Fargo nominees from the mm-hmm. television limited series. It's like that. <laughs> it's like starring that didn't hook you guys, did it? <laughs> yeah. Jesse Buckley. Mm-hmm. No one won an Emmy. No one's going to win an Oscar. But it's kind of funny when you're like, oh, let's play Six Degrees of Separation. Yeah. But wow, they went out of their way not to nominate Ben Affleck. Not that yeah. I saw the appeal of Tender Bar, but I, I, I know a lot of people had him mm-hmm. in their predictions, but wasn't to be. Yeah. So we come to Best Actress. We have Jessica Chastain, Olivia Colman, Penelope Cruz, Nicole Kidman, and Kirsten, Kristen Stewart. I uh, at at this point I it, it's gotta be a shock if Jessica Chastain does not win this. I I feel well. Like. Let's yeah. I mean let's let's take a look at the category. Um, you know you have um, you have Penelope Cruz. Uh, she's got two pretty big strikes against her, and it has nothing to do with the performance being in Spanish. You know the film wasn't nominated, and they do love Pedro Almodovar. Yeah. And she didn't get a bat. She didn't get either a BAFTA or a Globe nomination. And the Globes like her enough to constantly nominate her. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one thing where it's like, yeah, she she's not as competitive. She was always on the list of possibilities, and her sneaking in at the last moment didn't really surprise anyone. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it's it's not it's not going to be her year. Then you have Kristen Stewart who came in with a lot of heat, but has been unable to score a BAFTA or a SAG nomination. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like this was going to be her welcome to the club. Yeah. Like with Chris, like with Jennifer Lawrence and Emma Stone and, you know, even Natalie Portman. It's like, okay, thank you, Bella, but we're going to need one more from you before we give you an Oscar because <laughs> it's not an all-time hands down. She's going to win this Kate Blanchett, Blue Jasmine kind of performance where like she's got it. Yeah. Categories locked down. Then you have Nicole Kidman. And the one thing you can say about the acting branch and we've seen through these nominations is they really, really love Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) Yes. They really, really love them some Aaron Sorkin. We get it. (laughs) When I heard J.K. Simmons, I'm like, I'm either really tired or... Javier Bardem is definitely him. Yeah. <laughs> now that that <laughs> that being said, I I do. I mean, she did win the Globe, and that's not an unimportant precursor, but there's no overlap, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't seem like she has the momentum to take this. And she's kind of one of those favorites of the Golden Globes. Yeah. But when she lost SAG again, she's one of those few that, like uh, her, Coleman, Meryl Streep, who lost SAG, recovered at BAFTA. BAFTA, you really fucked this whole thing up. You could have been the deciding vote again. Um, You know, if we, you know, if she had won, it would have looked pretty good. Yeah, she's a five-time Golden Globe winner. So that, that's just not a lot of Golden Globes. Yeah. But I, 
I don't see how she pulls this out. The fact that they didn't nominate being the Ricardos, it seems like one of the more obvious snubs for, for best picture. Mm-hmm. Considering how well it did in the acting branch of picking up a writing nomination. Yeah. But it is about TV, so you can kind of get that. And then you've got Olivia Coleman and Jessica Chastain. And the reason I can't count out Olivia Coleman is she lost everything last year for, for the father and on the way to the crown. And then at the last second, she picked up that Emmy when she wasn't expected to do so. And people who do that, you can't really count out. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, I think she's very likable. Mm-hmm. And her film, again, has a lot more nominations than I think people saw with Jesse Buckley getting in and the screenplay nomination. Mm-hmm. But I do think, again, because we have no BAFTA winner, that will help us. I have to go with Jessica Chastain because she did win SAG and the Critics' Choice. And am I the only one who thought the Critics' Choice were going to have another tie? Like, I'm sitting there thinking <laughs> they're going to tie. There's going to be a tie. It's going to be her and someone else. And that'll give people something to have an ha over for six for the rest of the week. And when there wasn't a tie, I was like, okay, I, I might be wrong. I wouldn't be surprised honestly, if anyone won this, but I would, I, at this point, I would have to say, tell people to predict Jessica Chastain. Plus it seems like another winner from the help. You're running out of actresses. (laughs) I saw Howard. You might be next. Mm -hmm. You might be next. (laughs) (laughs) So that brings us to best actor with Javier Burden, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith and Denzel Washington. This is another one where if, you know, on his home territory, and remember, he's kind of acting royalty there. Benedict Cumberbatch could not pick up best actor at the Bastos, which is probably why Ben, which is probably why Will Smith didn't go. Because Troy Coates or Ariana DeBose were there. Yeah. I'm sure someone said, you're probably not going to win BAFTA. So the fact that he's won everything, that it's his turn, timeline is as obviously, storyline is obviously taken effect. Yeah. Okay, we get it. I, I think he's been better. Yeah, I would agree with that. But I, I like him. I think that's the problem with, with, with this, you know, with any kind of popular vote is he's just a very likable person. He's made some made most people a lot of money. So I, I think he's gonna win. I think he's got this pretty much sewn up. Mm-hmm. That BAFTA win, he probably is like, they've never even nominated Denzel. How the <laughs> hell did this happen? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the BAFTAs have done to their voting that they did not get one single best actress nominee when they moved their ceremony up in 2001 to like to be more of an Oscar predictor, to have more influence. Yeah. So it, it's, don't get, I won't get started on that. So, yeah. So best director, we have Belfast, Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Did Jane Campion do anything to hurt her wing an Oscar this year? 
Yeah. <laughs> no, she's won everything. I mean, they probably nominated Steven Spielberg so she could have her chance at like, you know, hey, Steven, this side's a lot more fun than, than sitting there and smiling for you. <laughs> she did obviously lose to him for Schindler's List. I'm not making fun of Schindler's List. Yeah, I know. I'm just <laughs> saying, you know, it, it is one of those delicious things that they're both back. Mm-hmm. All these years later, you got it. Those of us who follow this closely enough, it's the same thing with Will Smith. It's like, hey, buddy, I'm finally going to get my revenge for losing. He doesn't care about losing, too. No. At this point, I can't Washington. He does. Yeah. No, but I'm just, I'm just saying it's like, I'm sure he didn't care at the time that he lost to Denzel Washington, Will Smith. Oh, yeah. But it's just one of those cute things where it's like, oh, they're back. <laughs> and so is Andrew Garfield. He, he was in the same category as Andrew Garfield a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, that's right. A marked improvement off a hacksaw ridge, Garfield. <laughs> and a far better American accent. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Because I'm like, I just want to bring out a map from the U.S. and ask him where, point to where you think that accent is for Hacksaw Ridge. <laughs> so bad. I'm like, what? Is that how you think people in the South sound? <laughs> like, that's the problem I had, I think, with Aaron Taylor Johnson is that at least he gave a really great specific accent. Well, I, I won't get on that tangent, but I start thinking about those years. But yeah, she's done nothing. There's not even anyone who's picked up another directing prize this year. Yeah. I mean, she's yeah. taken most of all of the critics' prizes, and that's hard because usually it's like, okay, at, at a certain point when she's won about 20, you'll see some random city go, you know what, let's just give it to so-and-so just to just screw with them a little bit. Yeah. So we, we're not rubber stamping them, but she, she, yeah, they, her Oscar is ready to go. I, I, I would be shocked if she lost this. Yeah, which brings us to Best Picture, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Um, I mean, we've already. Yeah, I think it's going to be. Don't look up. Oh god. <laughs> I I can see the explosion on Twitter if that happens. That would be absolutely <laughs> insane. <laughs> I'd be more worried about that if Adam McKay got nominated for directing. But um, <laughs> I would be pissed off if Adam McKay got a directing nomination at the Emmys this year. So <laughs> I I have a lot to say about Adam McKay. <laughs> So do we think it's between The Power of the Dog and Coda, or is King Richard something that could possibly sneak in there? I'm sorry, wait, go back. What Do we think it's between... For Best best Picture, do you think it is between Power of the Dog and Coda, or do you think King Richard, because it's got that editing nomination that, you know, is important to the Best Picture process, I... Best Picture nominations, do you think it has a chance? No, I don't. I think, I don't think it has a chance. I think this is Coda mm-hmm. versus, versus The Power of the Dog. Now, the, the, I know that the power, I know that Coda 
doesn't have a directed nomination, doesn't have an editing nomination, but we've seen all of those rules kind of go fall. Yeah. And what gives the film hope, a lot of hope, is that it could potentially go three for three. Mm-hmm. And I don't like using this comparison, but we've seen Moonlight and even Green Book win an acting award, an edit, a writing award, and picture. Yeah. And what helps a film like Coda is that it does have the support of the acting branch. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem I have with, with, with The Power of the Dog is, is that beyond Jane Campion finally winning, what else is it going to win? Yeah. And I, I just can't imagine a film winning Best Picture and Best Director, and that's it. Yeah. Usually it picks something else up. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because of the fact that when you first brought that up in this discussion, I was like, well, it's got to be something else. But as you're going through the nominees, nations are absolutely right. It's, it is really kind of hard to see what that third, third or fourth win for the movie would be. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, like, you know, The Revenant, not The Revenant, excuse me, Birdman, it, it won writing, it won directing, it won cinematography, and it won picture. That, that's a low total yeah. for, for Oscars, but <clears throat> it won two of the top prizes. It had three acting nominations. It was nominated for a one SAG ensemble, and it picked up a tech award with cinematography. Yeah. So where, where is their tech prize? They haven't won a lot of tech prizes. Now, the one thing we have left this weekend, which a lot of us will be watching, is the Producers Guild, PGA. Yeah. Now, why are they so important? Well, they use the same ranked ballot that the Oscars use, and they are the last ones to weigh in. Now, let's say... Let's just say Power of the Dog loses PGA and it goes to Dakota. Then you would have a legitimate reason to pick it. Yeah. Because Coda won two out of three BAFTAs, but the Power of the Dog couldn't win a SAG award. It had three nominations. It wasn't nominated for ensemble. Same thing with Belfast. Belfast was supposed to be a best picture front runner and it couldn't win a BAFTA. It couldn't, it couldn't win at uh, uh, the SAG Awards. So where else is, where else are they going to honor power of the dog if it's not going to pick up a tech award? Yeah. When Alfonso Cuaron won the first time for Gravity, yeah, sure, we knew it wasn't winning Best Picture, but it picked up a lot of awards on its way. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see a film just winning director and just winning picture. Yeah. Although we have seen films win picture with just a writing award. Spotlight did that. Mm-hmm. But the, the difference between Spotlight and The Power of the Dog is that Spotlight won the SAG Ensemble Award. Mm-hmm. And that's where that could matter this year. Yeah. So uh, have I made your brain cry <laughs> yet? No, I mean, you know, it's like ultimately, I mean, I would not 
look, if Coda if Coda were to win, I I would not necessarily I wouldn't I would certainly not complain as much as some people would. I I think it's a lovely film. I think it's an entertaining film. I I would completely understand winning Best Picture, and it's, and I would not say it's an embar. It would certainly not be an embarrassing Best Picture winner. It's it's not to- going to be Green Book. No. No, it's not. And that's the thing you have to remember is that in a ranked ballot, it's almost more important who you put number two. Yeah. So, so let, and Power of the Dog is a more divisive film. Mm -hmm. There are definitely going to be a lot more people who love it or hate it than there are going to be people who are like, eh, I'll put it three or four. Right. Whereas Coda you could see how it could pick up a lot of second place votes. Mm-hmm. And we are in a year where I think people do want to feel better. Yeah. They want something uplifting. Mm-hmm. And this movie got me. I mean, I'm an easy get. And this film had me crying for mm-hmm. like 20 minutes afterwards. Yeah. Like Troy Coatser, he says one audible line in the entire film. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I, but again, you know, oh, poor Netflix. I, mm-hmm. I would. All, I would kind of feel bad after all this money they've spent trying to do it, and here comes here comes Apple on their first at <laughs> bat. You know what sounds good? That best picture trophy sounds real good to us. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go from winning best comedy series to winning best picture. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it. Think how long it's taken for Netflix to finally win a top series prize at the Emmys. Yeah. And how easy it was for their competition, how easy it was for Hulu to be the first, how easy it was for Amazon to be the first for a comedy and then to win another for another comedy series and how easy it was for Apple TV to go in there and just win comedy series themselves last year and how long it took for, for, Netflix to win for drama series and limited series. They won two in the first night. Mm -hmm. And now they're in the same position where here they go. It's just going to be so easy for, for, for Apple TV to just waltz in there and just take this. (laughs) This This is really their nightmare. They would much rather lose this award to, to, to Belfast. Yeah. than they would to, to lose to, to Apple TV Plus. I mean, you mm. could draw a name out of a hat, like other than the don't look up. Netflix mm. doesn't, if that happened, it would be fun. But, you know, pick one of the others. Yeah. Maybe not Night Near Alley because it did have a pretty early run on, um, it's on Hulu and HBO Plus. So maybe not that so, one. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, maybe not that one, but all the rest of them, it's like, yeah, sure. Mm hmm. Probably the same thing with Dune since they made that a, or or King Richard. I mean, we've seen a lot of these movies that were released as on streaming. King Richard was available the same day. Mm-hmm. Dune had that limited release, so you can't say TV doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. When Belfast had a traditional release, West Side Story had a traditional release. Licorice Pizza. Yeah. And, and that's about it. I mean, I don't think two weeks in theaters before Nightmare Alley was streaming is really no. much to, no. to count against that. 
Yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough for them because they don't want to lose this award to to Apple TV Plus, <laughs> and they might they might. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I am looking forward to uh, seeing what happens. Uh, but thank you very much for joining me tonight to uh, talk about the I'm Oscars. sorry if I gave you too much information. No, right? <laughs> that's, that's all right. That's part of the reason why I wanted you on here, so we could actually talk about this in a little bit more depth than me just going through the nominees and saying, oh, here's what I would like to see win, here's what I think will win, and all that stuff. This is This is great. I love it. Oh, well, I'm glad. I'm afraid I talked your ear off here. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, where where can uh, you, you are a French freelance uh, writer, but is there any place in particular that people can see you on? Oh, you can always find me on Twitter at Miss Amanda Spears. Uh, you can find myself on, uh, oh goodness, I'm blanking again. This is my life. Awards Radar. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, my mind is like going, thinking of all the possibilities of what could possibly happen in these. <laughs> it's very rare that Best Picture is one of the more interesting races of yeah, the evening. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> that, that sounds horrible to say, but you definitely should end the ceremony this year with Best Picture. Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I will say one of the things I do like is that we've gone away from to a certain extent, we have gone away from the uh, the the big sweeps of like the most the movie with the most nominations invariably will win Best Picture. I I do like that we've kind of gotten away from that. That there is a bit more versatility to what wins. Well, I don't think we're ever going to see the end of that. There there will come a film that will just storm through these. But oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to see the variety and 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 these nominees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it you know it gives a little bit of a degree of suspense. How even if even if if you're paying attention to the awards, you kind of have a feeling as to where it goes, where it's going to go uh, by the end of the night. That's why I'm hoping they don't present screenplay first because I'm like that that could be. Adapted screenplay may may be not to make the writer's ego even bigger. It, it could be the big award of the night where we point to that, like like director was for Bong Joon Ho. We're like, well, there's the the suspense is out of this. It's yeah. over. He, yeah. Game set match. <laughs> that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. You're winning best picture. Oh my God, <laughs> history's about to be made. But uh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much for joining me, and uh, it was it was a lot of fun to talk to you. Oh, thank you for having me. I had a great time. <laughs> I'd like to thank Amanda for joining me on this discussion of the Oscars, present all 23, and everything going along with uh, the nominations and such. It was great to have somebody else to talk to about that, and we may be very well doing that in the future. And I'm... And now it is time to discuss my 10 best list for 2021. This was a relatively busy year, so over 270 shorts and features that I'm including in this in my uh, master list for this year. And uh, 
which is less than 2020, but still considerable amount of movies. Uh, when you figure I covered three film festivals last year, uh, that that covers a lot of ground. Uh, before I get to my top 10, though, I do want to uh, point out some favorites of mine that are outside my top 10 that I very much love for throughout the year. Starting out with uh, 499, Achilles Escape, The Letter, Benedetta, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, Godzilla vs. Kong, Slapface and Serrano. And then uh, moving forward in the films, there was The Sparks Brothers, In the Earth, Coda, Passing, um, A Hero, Final Count, Spider-Man No Way Home, James Wan's Malignant, No Ordinary Man, The Matrix Revolutions, The Harder They Fall, West Side Story, Eternals, Licorice Pizza, Bastards Road, Stocks on Fire, The Power of the Dog, Pig, and Nine Days. It's interesting that this year I don't actually have a Best Picture nominee in my top 10, which is unusual because I do usually have at least one or two in there. This year I don't, and it's not because movies like Power of the Dog and Licorice Pizza weren't great. I do think they are great. But the films that stood out this year and that made my top 10, um, it was a combination of things that came together, whether it's great narrative and great performances, great vision, or just a great story to tell. And um, I, I think that's something all 10 of the films in my top 10 have in common. So without further ado, we will go ahead and continue that. With number 10, it is a film that I saw at the 2021 Atlanta Film Festival. It is from Mache Bang Bang and Aaron Granat. It is Moon Manor, which actually just came out in the States. And if you have the chance to see it, I cannot recommend it enough. It's a bow man who is who has his last day alive, and we follow him through that day. He has Alzheimer's, and it is worsening, so he decides to... He, he is going to decide to go out on his own terms. And the thing that I love about this movie, other than the fact that it was just profoundly emotional in a way I did not expect, is also it's very entertaining. It's very... It, it reminds me a little bit of Big Fish to a certain extent because of the fact that it's about celebrating an unusual life in a way that pays reverence to that life. And the performance by uh, James Jimmy Carozo is absolutely wonderful. And I, I just, this is such a beautiful film. I really thought it was lovely. Again, if you have a chance to see it, I... Cannot recommend it enough. It is Moon Manor. Number nine for me is Julia Ducarno's uh, Titan. And it follows a woman who had a traumatic 
injury earlier in her life and is and it's body horror it's serial killer thriller it's a family drama it's it's a it's one of the more singular movies to come out this year and it was a striking vision the performance by Agatha Russo was absolutely wonderful but also the supporting performance by Vincent Linden as a firefighter whom she comes into contact with it's it's a it's weirdly uh touching but it's also very thoughtful in the way it looks at past pain and how some people look to uh look to get past that in ways that are sometimes not healthy but also sometimes could be just what they need and uh titani was a singular vision and it, it would have been fascinating to see it get nominated for the oscars I I understand completely why it didn't, but uh, it's it's just an absolutely wonderful film. Number eight is Michael Rianda's uh, The Mitchells versus the Machines, which is a which was just one of the great pleasures of this year, as a family road trip gets uh, upended by a robot apocalypse, and. It says a lot about family. It says a lot about um, creativity and sparking imagination. Imagination getting you through the hardest times that you can see. It's it's just a wonderful film, and I I absolutely love watching it for the first time. And it's it's probably one of my favorite animated films we've had in a good long while. Number seven for me is. Jonas Poher's Rasmussen's Flea, which I saw at Sundance. I haven't had a chance to rewatch it as of this recording, but I definitely want to. And it is a documentary about an unaccompanied minor or from Afghanistan coming to Denmark. And he is telling his story for the first time, and he tells it through animation. And the animation is really striking in this. The story is completely empathetic. The fact that this movie got nominations deservedly in international foreign in international documentary and animation feature really says a lot about the way it approaches its subject. <clears throat> and uh the fact that it is probably going to lose is all three of those is unfortunate but um it's it's just an absolutely fantastic film it's it's an unusual look at the refugees journey and it is a <clears throat> it's it's a powerful film to watch number six is quest loves summer of soul or when the revolution could not be televised uh, the second I saw this at Sundance, I immediately fell in love with it. It's one of the few films I've seen multiple times this year. And uh, I I just absolutely thought it was a tremendous look at a uh, an event that should be better known. The 1969 Car Harlem Cultural Festival 
and uh, it's a great compilation of images from the festival of retrospective interviews of um, music of imagination of pride and culture and <clears throat> just what was going on at that time for black people in America and it is is a tremendous film I absolutely love this movie <clears throat> Number five is Joaquin Trier's The Worst Person in the World, which looks at the four years in the life of Julia, who is struggling to figure out her life as she turns 30. The perform central performance by Renee Ransby is fantastic. And this, this was a movie that... Certainly, there's not everything I can relate to in this movie, but there's a lot that I can relate to in this movie. And it was absolutely wonderful to watch. It's entertaining, it's enlightening, but it's also emotional. And it's a, I, I can completely get on board with us continuing to do coming of age films for people in their 30s because I think that's something that. <clears throat> when you associate with coming-of-age films, you typically think teens, early 20s, but, you know, I I've certainly have plenty of experience with my 30s being more formative for me than my 20s in terms of my personal growth, and The Worst Person in the World is a great example of that. Number four is Jared Callahan's Clean Slate, which was at the 2021 Atlanta Film Festival. It's about two friends who have come together with their shared love of movies, but also their shared experience of recovering from addiction and uh, recovering from uh, using drugs and mental illness. And they try to put together a production of a short film and Callahan met them actually at the Atlanta Film Festival a few years ago and decided to chronicle this, this story. And it is, a, is an amazing story. I absolutely love this film. And uh, it, it's one of the most harrowing documentaries about making a movie because so much of it is about life in general, and that's that's one of the things that was so affecting about it. And as as somebody who struggle with who struggles with mental illness themselves at times, it's it's great to see the way that this is captured on screen with empathy and uh with understanding. And I I just can't wait for people to see Clean Slate, I think they're absolutely going to love it. Number three is David Lowry's The Green Knight, which is the which is his retelling of Gawain and the Green Knight. It is a brilliant, unique vision of the Arthurian legend. It is a bold vision. It is a striking look at the hero myth, the idea of the hero myth. And it's it's just a tremendous production in every way, shape, or form. 
this was one of the films, as far as a technical standpoint, that I think stood out this year even further than the uh, blockbusters did. In the same vein, at number two, we have Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth, and uh, it has tremendous performances by Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand. Uh, this is Cohen's first true solo effort on <clears throat> as a director, and it is without Ethan, and it is a brilliant uh, rendering of the text from Shakespeare. Amazing performances, uh, singular production design, amazing cinematography, great music by Carter Burwell, and it's it just was absolutely transfixing when I saw it back in November. My number one film of 2021 is Frank Kranz's Mass. Uh, this is another one that I really want to rewatch. I haven't seen it since uh, Sundance, but I can say that this story of two couples who are meeting after a violent tragedy that connects them is just absolutely heartbreaking to see the way two people, four people can come together in shared pain and look past their common difference that look past the differences and perspectives to get empathy towards each other. <clears throat> the performances by Endowed, Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton, and Reed Burney are tremendous. The screenplay by Kranz is very stagey, but it's also very empathetic, I think, towards these characters, and his direction is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, this this is a movie that, as soon as I saw it, I figured it was going to be my number one of the year, and certainly nothing else really came close. Uh, I can argue, you can certainly argue for uh, Tragedy of Macbeth or The Green Knight, but Mass just hit me very differently than any other movie this year. And that wraps up my 10 best list for 2021. I want to thank Amanda again for joining me on the podcast to talk about the Oscars. That's going to do it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Uh, coming up, we're going to be talking with a critic who's making their first appearance on the podcast to discuss America's pastime on film. And Timothy Cox is going to be joining me again to discuss some more established classics. And I'm looking forward to that. I, I may or may not be attending the Atlanta Film Festival this year. Just really kind of depends on what I'm going to be able to do between work and film festival right now. It's a no, but I will certainly keep people posted if I'm able to. But uh, that's it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy. And uh, follow me always at www.sonic-cinema.com.